And so it's been a while since I got to speak. So if I'm a little nervous, stick with me. Uh, my wife said, hey, it's like riding a bicycle. Once you get back into it, you'll do fine. So uh, our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses begin. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your kindness. And we thank you so much for the privilege of coming together today to worship you. Father, I pray that you'd help us to put everything out of our minds this morning and focus on you and your word. I pray you guide me and help me, Father, Lord, to be faithful to your word, to give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Susie called a friend and asked how she was feeling. Terrible, came the reply. My head's splitting. My back and legs are killing me. The house is a mess. The kids are driving me crazy. Susie, full of compassion, said, well, listen, you go and lie down. I'll come right over, right away. I'll cook lunch for you. I'll clean up the house. I'll take care of the children. And while you get some rest. By the way, how is your husband, Sam? Sam came the reply. My husband's name's not Sam. Oh, my heavens, said Susie. I must have dialed the wrong number. Are you still coming over? Sound familiar? This morning as we look at Hebrews, I want to talk about how to be encouraged when we grow weary. And boy, has this past year been something to make you weary. It's been a tough year in many ways. Strange, frustrating, depressing, maybe exciting. Pick an adjective. It's been a little of everything. Frustrating for me. Depressing at times. To watch our nation move further and further away from God. It becomes, it's fast becoming morally bankrupt and filled with lies and deception. You don't know what to believe when you read it sometimes. Isaiah the prophet probably had it right, he did have it right, when he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God saw it coming, so did the prophet. But in all this we have to remember not to be weary, because after all, as the song says, this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. We serve a king and a country. A king of kings and a lord of lords. Who will one day return and will sit right the wrong. Judge the wicked and bring justice to this world. But until then, daily life can be very overwhelming. Especially when you're dealing with so many things. But Scripture does tell us in many places not to lose heart, not to be weary. You know, when I was studying to do the, the looking for a message, pastor asked me, I haven't spoke from the pulpit in quite a while. Um, I took sabbatical this year from the elder board. As many of you know, my wife is homebound and has lots of medical issues. And 
when I was reading these verses looking for a message, and pastor said, hey, you know, would you like to speak while, you know, Laurel has the baby, and, you know, we're going to be busy with that. And I said, well, it's going to be a privilege. I'd really love to get back in the pulpit again. And I, I came across this, this lesson, this verse, these verses. And among, among many other encouraging verses in Scripture, this slipped out at me. Because it said so many things about being encouraged, about not losing hope when you grow weary. And buddy, I can tell you what, you can go weary, you can get tired quick, you know, just keeping up with what's going on. He tells us in Galatians though, let, not, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. You know, as, as Christians, a lot of times we do grow tired, but I don't know if we should. We grow weary as well. And are those two things different? Well, tired could be a physical condition, but weary a lot of times can describe a spiritual attitude or an emotional condition. You know, there's a lot of work to be done. Paul encourages us this. We ask the volunteers, there's so much to do. Now that things are loosening up a little bit, you know, things are starting to happen again. People are looking for employment. Employees, are, Employers are looking for employees. Things are starting to open. Church is starting to come. People are coming back. Things are happening again. Ministries are picking up. We need volunteers. You know, the invitation to not grow weary doesn't mean to be a workaholic, but it simply means that we just need to continue to do what God's asked us to do and not lose heart. It says in the verse, don't lose heart in doing good. We should always want to do good. We should never be tired of doing good. For in due season we shall reap. Well, yeah. Sometimes we reap today. Sometimes we see the benefits of our labor. But sometimes we don't. It may be eternity before we know. My wife and I worked in the bus ministry for many years. And for those of you who don't know, back in the late 80s, rather, in the 80s and 90s, my wife and I would go out on Sunday morning and pick up kids from a certain neighborhood, bring them to church. We'd have Sunday school for them and junior church for them. My wife and I, I taught junior church, first through sixth grade. And then we'd put them on the bus and take them home. Now, you want to talk about getting weary. Real easy when you got 64 first through sixth graders on a bus in Fayetteville, North Carolina in June. And it's hot. I mean hot. It's always an exciting thing. Now, a lot of times, Barb and I don't know where these kids happened. We don't know where they went. We don't know what happened to them. We only know that one day we will know that God's Word does not come back void and that all the teaching and preaching and not times of loving and caring for these kids Someday, we'll see that. We, had, we did see in our efforts several of the kids come to Christ and grow up and serve the Lord. But we shouldn't always look for, the, uh, for us to reap right at the same time, but it will come. If we don't grow weary, it means we shouldn't quit doing good. It may not always be in the same ministry. My wife and I have served in many different ministries over the years. We started working with children. The first time I ever taught a lesson, the first time I ever got up in front of anybody and taught anything was to fifth grade boys. Now, if you've ever been experienced fifth grade boys, it's an experience that I did not know what I was stepping into. But hey, you know, a friend of mine called me up and says, hey, I don't have, I gotta be out tomorrow. Can you do this? Barbara, help you. At that time, my wife and I were dating. We hadn't married yet. And, uh, you know, being that she was my girlfriend, of course she was going to help me in that class. <clears throat> anyway, so that was expected. Anyway, so uh, I went and did my thing, had a good time. 
But, but it was an experience. You can get tired chasing around 30 or 40 fifth graders real fast. But it was a great experience. And over the years, we not only worked with first through sixth graders, we worked with teenagers, we worked with college, we worked with adults, we worked about every age group. And the one thing that God always told me was, I might get tired of doing it physically, but He said, don't get tired of the spiritual benefit you may be giving someone or that you are getting yourself from teaching. I tell you what, you want to grow quick? Teach teach teenagers. It'll happen in a heartbeat. You will grow more than you ever expected in your life. And I tell you, I don't know why people are scared of teaching teenagers. I tell you what, it, uh, I found it to be an exciting experience because they ask the hard questions that you got to go home and say, oh, Barb, how in the world do I answer that one? So what I want to do this morning is just take a, a few minutes and look at verse uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses, and talk a little bit about what we see here uh, as far as encouragement. I think we see four things exactly, but I want to look at these things and see some ways we can be encouraged. Again, to read the verses, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So it seems to me the author of Hebrews here, God put it in his heart to say, look, because of what I just said, don't lose heart. I think, looking at the first part of the verse, when it says, "Therefore, uh, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and I looked at that, well, you've got to think a little bit about what was said in the previous chapters. But I think the first thing that we can see here is what witnesses are he ta- is he talking about? Well, when you back up to chapter 11, you see the witnesses that he's talking about. He goes through what we call the Hall of Faith, or the, the fabulous Hall of uh, Fame of, of Old Testament saints that he lists out as having great faith. He does that all through, over and over again in chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He gives us a definition. Then he says, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch. And then he talks about without faith it's impossible to please God. Oh, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Abraham again, by faith Isaac, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith Rahab, the harlot. And then he lists some that we really don't. He lists David and Barak and Samson and Jeff. He lists all these other ones and all the things that they did. They conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions. Boy, that's a good one. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. In weakness they were made strong, became mighty in war. They go, he goes through this whole hall of fame. So I think if we're wanting to be encouraged, if you're getting tired of all the stuff that's happened over the last year, and all the things you've had to go through personally, and our country's had to go through, remember this. Be encouraged. You're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. What you're going through is not unique. It's, sometimes we like, we get in our box, 
in our head or in our lives, and we think, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one dealing with this. Well, we know as a country, we've all been dealing with the big C this whole last year. We've had to deal with this and all that goes with it. That we have in common. But a lot of times the personal struggles we have at home or with our friends and family, we think, well, I'm the only one going through this, but you're not. Be encouraged when you grow tired and weary that you are not alone. You are not alone. The Old Testament saints that are listed here as well as your fellow believers we see in this room are going through the same thing. Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain and paid with his life. We see the first murder in Scripture. Enoch, he loved God so much and talked to God that God just said, he was so pleasing that God just said, hey, we're closer to my house than yours, won't you just come home with me? And he took him. Abraham, we see twice in the list here. He left the security of his home. God called him to a place he didn't know, had never seen. He said, I want you to get up, pack up, and move here. And go there. I mean, how many of us would just all of a sudden throw everything we have in the back of a U-Haul and take off? That, you know, I spent 20 years in the Air Force, and Barb and I moved quite a bit, and I traveled quite a bit, and I told Barb the other day, I'm done. Unless God calls me, I'm done. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to ever move again. And then Sarah, when she was too old to have children, had faith enough that God would give the promised son. Then Abraham again, when he was asked to sacrifice that very son, he realized, we see in Hebrews, that God could raise him from the dead. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And regarding the things to come and told the future, Jacob blessed his grandson. Joseph brought to Egypt to save a nation, to save his family. And then Moses, we see, a murderer called to lead a nation out of bondage. And all the things that Moses... I mean, the one thing about Moses that I'm encouraged from when I get weary is that it says he talked to God like a person would talk to their friend. And that gives me hope that one day I can do the same thing. And that I do have the same access through Jesus Christ to the throne of God. And then Rahab the harlot. A harlot is mentioned here. A prostitute who helped the Israeli spies when they came into Jericho and had faith in the God of the Jews. And God saved her and her family. And then we see, of course, David and Samson and Samuel. David, a man after God's own heart. So when you are tempted sometimes to get a little discouraged, remember you're not alone. And now, not only these Old Testament saints, but there are those in recent years you can look to for encouragement as well. You know, Joni Erickson Tata. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. And all that she's been through, paralyzed from the neck down. What a, what a testimony. What encouragement. I think of mentors I've had over the years. Men in my life. Older and younger. Who've encouraged me not to be tired or weary. I look at other historical pastors in the past. You know, there's something when I was younger, much, much younger, when I first came to the Lord. There was an old uh, tent preacher... And um, 
I used to listen to on the radio. And I still got his books at home, Oliver B. Green. I don't know if anybody remembers the name, ever heard of him. He was an old tent preacher, had a raspy voice. No, 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 beloved, don't blame me, blame God. He said it, I'm just telling you what it said. And that's the way he would preach. He was such an encouragement to me that I read his commentaries today and you can't turn a page without seeing the gospel. What I'm saying is, not only do we have the Old Testament saints, and these, when he says this cloud of witnesses, he's not talking about like an arena where people are going, hey, go for it. He's talking about people who have done the same thing you've done and are witnesses to you of it, that you too can get through it. And then he says, after that, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. That one really came home to me thinking about the word encumbrance and so easily entangles us to sit and to think, hmm, when we grow weary and get tired, remember, the Christian, race, the Christian life is a race. It requires endurance and discipline. And just like a run, I used to run when I was in the military uh, to keep up with some of the Air Force. Well, the Air Force's physical fit program was nothing like the Army. But still, as a mechanic, you know, aircraft mechanic, I you know, wasn't big into physical fitness. So they're like, well, you got to do something. So I said, well, I'll start running. And I used to enjoy running. It was quite, it was quite actually, I really enjoyed it, especially in Utah with the Wasatch Mountains on a nice, cool, crisp morning. Get out and re- run three miles, three or four miles. You know, we had these long, straight roads out in the, they had these missile silos where they, they did missile testing. They had all these storage silos. They had these long, straight roads so I could kind of turn my brain off and think about whatever was going on and just run. But I would get tired, extremely tired. And I would be like, well, I made a commitment to the commander that I was going to run three miles a day, three times a week. So I need to finish this three miles. So I'd get a mile and a half into it. Right, and I mean, the old body was just getting a little wore out. You know, I was a little tired here. You know, the legs start hurting, and what I know, I got to continue to do this because I made the commitment to my commander that I would do this. So I had to have that mindset and that attitude that when I got tired, I needed to discipline my myself and my body and have the endurance to finish that three and a half or four miles, and then to show up Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and do it. And to carve out the time to do it. So when you get weary, just remember, this Christian walk is a race. It calls for endurance. And if we're going to endure, we need to put aside the things that stop us. Or You know, when I would go to run, in, and, I, and actually I would run in the wintertime sometimes, but, uh, but as the weather got cool, I didn't go out to run in galoshes, and a big heavy blue jeans with a big shirt and a coat and a hat and gloves. How, how far do you think I'd have got from heat exhaustion before I fell over trying to run like that? No. You know, I put on my gym shorts, put on a t-shirt, put my tennis shoes on, right? Some good tennis shoes made for running. Boom, I'm gone. And we have to remember that when we're running this race, to be encouraged, we've got to put these things aside. We have to strip ourselves of everything that would impede us, the things that would weigh us down, that would hinder us. And what we find out is that those very things are the things that sometimes make us weary and make us tired. 
Because we're so tied up in those things that really aren't that important that they're weighing us down. They weigh down our motivation. Even Paul said, Do you not know that those who run in race all run, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may win. Put those things aside that impede you. Sometimes those things could be material possessions. They could be family ties. They could be the fact that you love comfort and that nice big recliner. Guilty. Sometimes it's spiritual things in our lives. Maybe it's the fact that we're addicted to such thing, some types of entertainment or maybe relationships. You know, there's nothing wrong. I love my wife. But I have to say, God comes before my wife. Now, you may get a little upset about that, but God's number one in my life. And what does He do? He says, you need to take care of your wife. <laughs> All right? So that's the way it works out. But sometimes you have to put those weights aside and the sin will entangle. Those, some of those things can entangle you. You can get so caught up in greed or pride or arrogance or gossip or dishonesty or lust or the job or trying to climb the corporate ladder or trying to do all these. There's nothing wrong with those kinds of things. But if that's what prevents you from serving God and doing what God wants you to do, then you're going to get weary and tired. And it's going to cause you to be entangled. You're, like Scripture says, it's going to entangle, it's going to so, it's kind of like the thorns in the, in the, in the parable. You'll get caught up in that. You'll get so caught up in your job that you push aside church, and you push aside your devotions, and you push aside reading Scripture. You just push all that aside. Because, you know, it's, you know, I'm a techie guy, right? And so, uh, that has its ups and downs. Technology changes so fast. You know, it's like boom, boom, wait, wait, we got this new thing and that new thing. And I'm like, just slow, slow down, stop. And then I sit back and I encourage, I'm encouraged by the fact that God's Word never changes, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, by the way, there is no version 1.1 or 1.2. This is the only version, all right? But sometimes it can get really overwhelming on my job to try to keep up with the latest technology. And there is the temptation to read the technical books and do the technical things over reading my Bible. I can't do that. I'm not saying I always win. I'm just saying that I can't do that. That You know, if you want to be encouraged, if you're tired and you're growing weary in the work, look at what's holding you back in the race. Look at what's keeping you from running that race. Look and see what you can push back, rearrange, maybe even give up. Maybe even stop. Maybe even say that if I want to run this race and I want to sprint... I am definitely going to have to not wear boots. Now, I was in the Air Force. I did have to run a mile and a half in boots. No wonder I have fasciitis in my feet. But that's beside the point. But when I got into a good set of tennis shoes, that I mean, I went, I, I mean, I actually went to the, you know, Tennis shoe, went to the sports store and said, I need a tennis shoe to run in. And oh, well, here's the one you need, and blah, blah, blah. And I was great. When I put them on my feet and started down the road, woohoo, like running on air, man. You know, it was great. So, it actually increased my speed and my time. And then when I got done, my feet didn't hurt as bad, right? Of course, my knees are bad now, but we won't talk about that. So, take encouragement. 
Not only are you encompassed by so many other people, you're not alone when you go through these things. It's the fact that you need to get the right mindset and say, this is a race. I need to, if I'm going to not grow weary, I need to put aside everything that's weighing me down. Then he says, as we move on in the verse, to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame that was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The third thing, if you want to be encouraged and not go weary, is to focus on our example. Focus on our example, and that's Jesus. Keep your eyes in the right place. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Looking to Him Always keeping Him in the forefront. When you grow weary and you get tired of everything that's going on, and I'll tell you what, I have to, I have to, sometimes I just need a media fast. You know, I just have to say, you know, I'm not gonna read the news today. I am just not gonna go there. Or I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna bother with Facebook. I am, I just gotta put that stuff aside. Because my eyes are off focus. You could say it does two things. It encumbers me and gets my focus off. When I get focused on what's going on in the world, I mean, I look at our country and our leaders and I look at the immorality and I look at the, I I read some of the headlines and go, excuse me? What universe are you living in to make that kind of decision? To say that kind of thing? And then I have to remember, I've got my eyes in the wrong place. I don't trust... I cannot trust the government to take care of me. First off, it's not the government's job. But second off is, they can't. God's the only one that can take care of me. And when I get worried about things going on, Barbara's health, and I start worrying about my job, and I worry about other things, and all this stuff just gets... And I have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Who am I trusting? Who am I looking to for my salvation from all these things? Is it my job? Is it my wife? Is it my government? No. It's got to be my Savior. It's got to be my Savior. It's got to be God. Because look, He did a pretty good job of overcoming weariness. I mean, think about in the garden. He knows He's going to the cross. He knows that's going to happen. And he even begs God, look, if, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, your will. And then he goes to the cross. Because he was looking at a different place. He was obeying his Father and looking to the future, our salvation. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But we have to keep our eyes focused in the right place. He did. He's our perfect example. Go through, I mean, you can look through all the Gospels. Example after example where Jesus put everything in the right order and in the right way at the right time. So he's the one I've got to trust. So when you get weary, you get tired, just remember, change your focus. Get focusing on Jesus. Put your eyes in the right place. A commentator said this, One example stands out conspicuous above the rest. 
The man who first perfectly raised the idea of living by faith, who undoubtedly endured the bitter suffering of the cross and despised the despising of it, sustained by faith so that vividly realizing the coming joy and glory as to obliterate the consciousness of the present pain and shame. He saw, he had his eyes fixed on the right place, and that was the future of what was going to happen, not the immediate of the cross. He obeyed God perfectly. And if he can obey God, he gives me the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God. He said, I don't go and leave you by yourself. I give you the comforter. So when you get tired and you get off focus, refocus on God and say, Lord, you, your Holy Spirit, you gave me the, the Holy Spirit to help me get through this. To help me say, I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the government says. I'm not trusting them when I get tired and weary. I'm trusting you. And if you had the strength enough and you had, had it right that you would go to a cross and die for me, well then what am I worried about the fact that my car didn't start this morning? You know, it's perspective, right? And so when I get tired, and there's been plenty of times still today, I have to stop and I have to say to myself, what am I focusing on? You know, when we have trouble with our marriages, or we have trouble with our friends or relationships, Sometimes we get our focus off. We get our focus on them and not on God. We get our focus on the problem and not the problem solver. And that can be discouraging. Now, I'm not making light of problems we have in our families and in our marriages. and You know, we, it, that's just part of relationships. That's part of life. I'm not making light of that. I'm simply saying that when we go to work these problems and we want to be encouraged and not get tired of working on a problem, then we need to look to Jesus and say, you're the one that's going to give me the strength to get through this. I can't do this by myself. Your Holy Spirit, you've got, the flesh is too strong. I'm too angry or I'm not angry enough. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just too slack in doing what I'm doing or maybe I'm not aggressive enough. Whatever it might be. And Lord, I need your encouragement. I need for you, I need to look to you, the author and perfecter of my faith. Jesus is the one who decided to live for us, die for us, and rise again for us. So that we would have a right relationship with God. Man, what more encouragement could you need? Think about it, the God of the universe, the God of the universe who created everything we see, touch, smell, everything that goes, everything. I look at this, you know, when I went to the desert during Desert Storm, the first time, I'd never seen this, believe it or not, but the first time I was out there, it was lights out, dark camp, right? Because we're in the middle of a war, so-called. So I'm sitting there doing this, and and the stars go from horizon to horizon, and it's like a blanket of stars. And I sit there and go, oh, I've never seen so many stars. I've never seen that. It was amazing to me. And I thought to myself, the, the God who created all of that loved me enough to die to make us right with Him through faith in His Son. And then this verse, this 
believe it or not, I was doing my devotions and then I read this Psalm 121. I'll lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He'll not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So when I get weary and tired, I have to focus on the God of the universe who created all that. And if He can do all of that, then what are my problems compared to that? Then lastly, in verse 3, the last part of, uh, of verse 3, despising the shame, He sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself. You, we need to consider that so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. When we grow weary and tired, we need to keep our eyes focused on the goal. This is what I alluded to when I talked about looking to Jesus. When Jesus was going to the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's looking past the cross to the glory that was set before Him, seated at the right hand of the Father. He looked past that. So going through that was worth the other end. And when we get weary and tired, I think the fourth thing we need to do is keep our eyes fixed on the goal, and that's eternity. We need to keep it in the back of our minds that this world is not the end-all to end-all. We just finished Second Peter in our Sunday school class. And Peter has a lot of vivid words to say about that. He talks about the fact that um, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in chapter 3. And the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed and the intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Can't stop there because verse 11 says, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? This world's going away. We have to remember when we get tired and weary, keep focused on the goal. The goal's eternity with God. That's the investment. That's why we keep doing good works. That's why we keep, we don't want to get weary in doing good. It's because one day we'll stand before God. And I want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to see Him shake His head at me. Christ had that vision. He considered Everything he was going to endure, hostility by sinners against himself, he considered all of that and said it was worth the goal. And I guarantee you, we as believers have not seen persecution yet. But it's coming. And it's coming quick. I saw an interview. I don't know how many of you know about the pastor in Canada who's been in jail for having church services. They even went so far as to put fences up around his church and around his parking lot to keep the people out of the church. So what did they do? They went underground. But I watched an interview with him, and he talked about going to prison. 
And he talked about his experiences while he was in prison. And I thought to myself, he saw the goal much, he looked right past what was going on with the government and shutting down his church. And he said it was worth it to go to jail because of the witness he had to the prisoners in the jail. And I thought of Paul in the Philippians, jail. But he talks about the fact that how many of the prisoners would come to him and ask him about spiritual things, about God, about all this stuff. They knew why he was there. And they knew he wasn't there because he'd murdered anybody or done anything like that. But he saw past the the fact the government was putting him in jail to the fact that he was being a witness for Christ. And I thought, wow, how about that? If you go out to YouTube and Google, and uh, not Google it, but go out to YouTube and search it, you'll find it. And it's a really good interview. But I, I, I got to thinking about that and I thought, you know, when I get tired, I should just look past all of this going on and look at the goal that's set before me, the fact that eternity's coming. I'm going to stand before God and I need to just run this race. And I need to just keep at it. And I need to say to myself, look, if Christ went through a lot more than I've gone through in this world, and He looked past it to the future, I can do the same thing. I can be encouraged. I cannot grow weary. And you've got friends around you to encourage you. When you grow weary, look at all the people around you. Look at the Old Testament saints. Look at the other people. You're not alone going through these things. We all struggle with witnessing. We all struggle with sharing the Gospel. We all struggle in our marriages. We all struggle in our life, in our jobs. Just pick something. We all struggle with it. Not only am I encompassed by all these witnesses, and I'm not by myself, I've got all of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can encourage me. And you know how many times you have encouraged me here at Calvary. And when we go weary, we should remember that this is a race and we need to be disciplined and we need to run this race and be ready to endure it and get through it and look to the future. Keep our eyes focused on Jesus and be encouraged. Keep our eyes focused on the goal. That's eternity. Focused on hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, there was a lot of afternoons. Barb and I would come home on Sunday afternoon or get the, bring the bus back in. And uh, at that time, the church owned all the buses. And we'd bring the bus back into the bus barn, what we called it, and we'd have to clean it out and sweep it. Barb and I would be exhausted. But the next Saturday, we would go out and we would visit the bus route to see what kids were going to come Sunday so we would know where not to stop or where to, whatever to do. And you would meet the kids at home and talk to their parents. And then all of a sudden, Sunday afternoon, wasn't hard anymore. I didn't mind cleaning out the bus. I didn't mind sweeping up the, the last of the popcorn what we had given away that everybody... I'm the one that started the popcorn fight. But anyway... Uh, hardest thing was to keep the little kids from picking it up off the floor and eating it. But it made it all worth it. And when you look at, when you talk to parents that say to you, you know, our kids love coming. Why is that? 
There was a couple, Barbara and I had, uh, and I, Barbara and I had on our bus route. They were divorced, and uh, each one of them had children from a previous marriage, and they were living together and great, had great kids. And Barbara and I witnessed to them, talked to them quite a bit, befriended them, spent a lot of time with them. And then one time they come to us and say, oh, by the way, can you come to our wedding? We're getting married next week. And we accepted Christ as our Savior. Talk about being encouraged. So remember, you're not alone. It's a race we need to run. Keep focused on Jesus and focus on the goal. And you will be encouraged. And you will not grow weary. And there's many other things in Scripture that speak to us about being encouraged. But take these four things and remember them. When the world overwhelms you and everything overwhelms you, think about these things. Now, there may be some of you out there that can say to me, you know, Dwight, I don't have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. I don't have the foggiest idea what you mean. And you may not know the Lord. You may not have made that decision. Or maybe you're in the place where you're trying to figure it out. And you're trying to figure out what's true. I went through that in my life. I went through a time when I didn't know what was up or down when it came to God, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then God did some things in my life that convinced me that He's the one I needed. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to be encouraged in life, you need to know Christ. You need to know God. You need to have a relationship with Him. And it's pretty simple. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Scripture says in Romans. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you don't know the Lord today, take that time. Take that minute. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe this evening. But then again, Scripture does say today is the day of salvation. You can walk out this church, go to the parking lot and get run over by one of us running home to get the pot roast. So like pastor, I want to make sure that you know that Christ lived for you, died for you, and rose again. That you might be saved and have a relationship with God. If you know the Lord and you're a believer, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Take these four things home. Think about them. Put them into your life this week. And be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. You've been so gracious to write this down. You knew from eternity past that we would be standing here today. You knew I'd be doing this. You knew that future generations would want to know all about You. You've opened Your heart to us through Your Word and through Your Son. And I pray, Father, that You would help us. If there's anyone out there that doesn't know You as Savior, I pray that You would convict their heart unto salvation. That You would help them, Father, work in their lives. Help them to see You and cry out to You. And I pray those of us that are believers that we would take courage and be encouraged. Be encouraged, Father, that we're not alone. Not only do You give us so many wonderful examples in Scripture, You give us our fellow believers in Christ to encourage us as we see them and the things that You do in their lives, You work in ours as well. Help us, Lord, to remember that this is a race and we do need endurance. 
And Father, that we need to focus on You. Focus on Your Son. Focus on the goal. And that is to be daily conformed to the image of Your Son. And to one day stand before You and cast our crowns to the ground at Your feet and say, Holy, 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 You are worthy. I ask these many things in Jesus' name. Amen.